Hello and welcome to the podcast from That's Not My Age. I'm Alison Walsh. I'm a journalist, author and blogger, and I'd like to invite you to join this conversation. I'll be interviewing lots of brilliant people about life and style and getting older. It's a grown-up guide. Hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the That's Not My Age podcast. And today we have another male guest. It's Curtis Holder, an award-winning artist. Hello, Curtis. Hey, up me, Doc. How are you? <laughs> All right, but, oh. me, Doc. I'm fine, middle. So, Kurt, actually, just to explain, Curtis and I know each other, live not far from each other, and have mutual friends. And then, what a surprise at the end of last year when up Curtis popped on Sky Arts Portrait Artist of the Year. First of all, how was it keeping quiet about winning? Because <laughs> you obviously filmed it in some. Was it filmed in summer? It was filmed just after the first lockdown. So there's a lot of panic going on. Is it going to happen? Is it going to not happen? And we went from it being an open uh, an open studio to uh, actually, you can't have anyone. Just come on your own. <laughs> Which was a bit... <laughs> it was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but, but you didn't so... have to wear masks, did you? You didn't, wear, you didn't have to wear masks. We were the only people not wearing masks. There was the only people not wearing masks were the presenters, um, the people who were sitting, and the artists. Everybody else was wearing hazmat suits, masks, pointy sticks. Keep away! No, they were they were really lovely. The crew, but everybody else was wearing yeah. full protection, apart from us, which was. But you, but is that because you were spaced out? You were far enough away from each other. Yeah, everything was apparently obviously because I've never done it before. But everything was um, a little bit more spaced out, and it was um, it was a very bizarre experience. Um, and I feel like I'm still in it. To be fair, I Do think you? yeah, because I think lockdown is is so surreal anyway and then this surreal thing has happened and so I feel like I'm in an episode of I don't know dynasty where Steve's gonna come out the shower and go yeah that was all a dream I was like going, oh my word never get <laughs> like, the, the Truman show or something it's like this kind exactly. of Oh, but so how was it? So you did have to keep quiet about winning, so... Yeah, but I'm very good at keeping quiet about stuff. Yeah, look, I'm a primary school teacher. We just, <laughs> we, you know, we can keep quiet about anything. <laughs> so that bit, and also because we weren't, no one's seeing anyone. So it was kind of, it, it was kind of easy because you weren't, you're not meeting people for dinner. You're not going, you know, you're not going to... You're not just not going out socially, so you don't have those conversations where it might oh kind of slip. You're just stuck yeah. in your house with no one to talk to anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but you were in. But then there was a feature about your house in the Observer, I know. I know. and that came yeah. that came out before the end of the show, before you'd won. And I we were I was a bit like, oh, is this like a sign? Is this a sort of like? Does this mean Curtis was the winner? No, it didn't. That was purely coming. Look, look, I've been working up to 
something for about five years. I was full-time primary. And then I thought, right, do you know what? Because I had a bit of a, had a bit of a cancer scare. I'm fine, by the way. And, and my mum died. I, this is, oh, yeah, I know. I didn't this, know that. Oh yeah, but this is all sounding really depressing, but it's not. There's a happy ending. <laughs> but I just thought, and I was teaching, yeah, if you're a teacher, especially primary, you know that it's just full on. It never stops. Mm. And those instances made me think, do you know what? I need to start being a bit more selfish. And so I made a plan. I said, right, I've always drawn, but I thought I'm going to do that thing that gives me boundless pleasure that I always do when I've got some kind of spare moment, but it's one of those things where it never gets priority. And so I thought, right, I'm going to make a plan where I'm going to give that priority and see where it takes me. And so from that point on, I went, I went from doing full time to three days a week. And then the following year, I went down to two days a week. And then the year after that, I went to one day a week, which, you know. It's funny uh, because I lectured in journalism for years, part time and as well as freelancing and doing that's not my age and everything. And I did exactly the same thing. (laughs) Three days to two days to one day kind of thing. Feeling your way. So are you still teaching that? I am still linked to a school, but because I don't have my own class now, because I'm doing one day a week, and I um, teach the class of another uh, member of staff, I've not been teaching because it's, it's, it's now been in the hands of their permanent class teacher so I'm not I'm not I'm not actually teaching which is a little bit sad but I am still on the book so what I'm doing is it was a bit weird I I was furloughed like everybody else but then um I was asked to do if I was interested in doing in fact this was before um lockdown we talked about me doing a mural for the school and it was a big one it it was uh, the the stairs leading from the infants all the way up to the main school and um I said yeah yeah yeah," but there was never any time to do it in between me teaching and so after the first initial lockdown they said well how, how do you fancy doing it now and I went oh okay um and so I then went in and started this mural that I I put up on my Instagram feed and I drew it out and I outlined it whilst I was doing that I found out that I was through as one of the contestants on the portrait awards so I was thinking so I was like there practicing doing a portrait five in four hours after school and then during school I was painting this mural I was absolutely knackered and and people were actually there's members of staff going, God, you, you're looking tired, Curtis. I'm like going, yeah, I'm looking tired because I'm not getting any sleep because I'm here doing this during the day and I'm going home and just practicing pulling out a portrait for hours. But I couldn't say anything. That was the hardest. They were the hardest group of people I couldn't say anything to. Oh. So. Part of, part of the prize, oh, yes. artist of the year, 
Award. That's right. Um, you can say that again. <laughs> part of your prize for winning Portrait Artist of the Year, Curtis Holder, well um, done. was to draw Carlos Acosta. Oh, yeah. For the Birmingham Museum and Art Gallery, I think that's the correct title, isn't it? It is the correct title. That was really lovely. I liked it because it was the extra episode afterwards, wasn't it? All about. Oh, yeah. You, that's yeah. Oh, yeah. Meeting him and oh. drawing him. Oh. And that kind of, it was really lovely, actually, because it felt like you really connected with him. We had an amazing time. He's brilliant. Oh. So, so nice in so many ways. You said that when you when you met him, I mean, well, that was over a few days, I think, wasn't it? it was over so a, a week. week? A yeah. Week. Oh. yeah week. And that you found you, there were unexpected parallels. What what were what were they? It we were both we were both black men of mm-hmm. a of a similar age, and yeah. and we both working fields where one there aren't any black people, there certainly aren't any black men, and so we had a, a shared kind of history of of how others sorters and also similar conversations we had even though (laughs) we do very different things the conversations that we've had are quite similar and also I think we're quite unique in as much as we're both people who have seen other people's negative reactions to us being black as really their their issue and not our own mm. and which is is lucky on our part and that comes from I, who knows where that comes from it comes from your parents that was that was that growing was that growing up like you meant you had sort of similar experiences when yeah. you were growing up yeah yeah I think it was it, yes it was it's once that we were talking about trips to Europe and the weird thing is we were we were in the same places we're in some of the same place at the same time of our lives, which is, which is weird because let's face it. If I'd have seen him, I'd have noticed him because we'd have been the only two black people. Yeah. <laughs> 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 like, oh, hello. <laughs> what are you doing? Um, yeah. Just like he was telling me about this time uh, where he, they wouldn't let him into a jewelry shop. Oh, was that in Italy? Yeah. 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 Oh. And you know, I've had the same situation and people just not believing that, you know, just being, being taken into certain rooms to be searched while other people were completely ignored and, you know, being followed around shops um, by security and just people's assumptions of, of, of who or what they think you are in the same way that, you know, it happens to women. You Before you open your mouth, people make a lot of assumptions about who you are because, because you are seen as other. And uh, it's, if anything, it's quite, it's a little bit tiring. But we had that in common. We had that common language, which meant in a way 
but we could talk freely about so many other things. We could talk about art. We could talk about how that makes us feel, knowing full well that um, our backstories incorporated that story as well, if you know what I mean. But we didn't have to, but we didn't have to talk about that. We just talked about how we felt about what was passion, what we felt passionate about. And it was amazing because he totally understood. Yeah. But it is important to talk about those experiences, isn't it? And about the sort of discrimination there was then. I still, I still think it's going on now. Still, still, <laughs> is, still I was just going to say, and no. then still is in some places. Yeah, it is important. But how did you deal with it then? Did you, you mention your family, I think, briefly. I think I dealt with it by being who I wanted to be and being myself. And, you know, I was lucky enough to have parents who made me aware of how the world worked. Well, whether it be for good or bad, you know, we had the talk as um, it's called, you know. Oh, what, that, if, it, what happened, what you do if you get stopped by the police? Yeah, it's, you know, don't, don't, be aggressive in any way, you know, just speak with a really good British accent. Um, don't do any sudden movements, don't run away, just be calm. And which, which when you're growing up and that is told to you, because you don't know any different, you just think, okay, yeah, fair enough. And um, you just you just get on with it. It's not until you get older, you you have friends that aren't black and you talk about your history, your past, your 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 adolescence. And you think and you realize, God, you. You had it really different. (laughs) You know, it's like having those conversations about, oh, well, how many times have you been stopped by the police? And then going, what? Why would I be stopped by the police? Why? How many times have you been stopped by the police? And me going, actually, I don't know how many times I've been stopped by the police because I've been stopped by the police a lot. (laughs) And people thinking, why? I'm like going, because that's what happened. (laughs) And um, people finding it really, well, people who who aren't black, finding Mm. that quite astonishing do you get stopped in london ever you know stop and search yeah but i haven't been recently not for the last uh i think because i'm getting older but saying that the last time i was stopped by the police (laughs) it was a funny that was a funny story i was going to sainsbury's i had to be fair it was raining it was dark and i did have a hoodie on not that that's an excuse. No. (laughs) exactly and um it was funny they stopped me and um and said, oh, yeah, someone fitting your description is on the, well, in the in the neighbourhood and we're just stopping it. And I, 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 <laughs> I said, what, someone my description, six, six foot, yeah. 48-year-old with a moustache. <laughs> and, they all, and they're like, oh, well, well, yes. I'm thinking, well, really? Well, you're not quite sure about that. So, yes, it yeah it happens it hasn't happened for a while which is great um but it does happen it's just a very different experience but the funny thing was 
The funny thing about that story was a few months later, I called the police because I saw something quite dodgy. I won't go into what I saw, but I saw something quite dodgy. And because of that, I was a witness. They had to, a couple of um, constables had to come to the house to take my statement. They were like, hello, hello, we recognise you. <laughs> no, I recognised them. <laughs> yeah, it was only one of them. I went, uh, and they were chatting and they were lovely and what have you. We took my statement. And I went, I know you, don't I? And um, <gasps> the officer said, I don't think so. And I went, I think so. You stopped me outside saying, <laughs> no, Tesco. <laughs> and bless them. They were mortified. They were mortified. And we had a bit of a laugh about it and, and, and a chat. But it's just very interesting it was just very interesting kind of uh, meeting there. But coming back to the old um, Carlos thing, yeah. it, was, it, it is very important to talk about those things um, because it is part of who I am. It's part of my life. But what was so refreshing about meeting Carlos is that it wasn't a, it wasn't seen as a topic. It was in, it was an understood shared history which meant that we could just get to what we really wanted to talk about which was being creative being artistic and and just how we were going to navigate this process that we both found ourselves in which was absolutely bizarrely unique two black men who were going to go on an artistic journey that was purely just about creating. It was, for both of us, it was an absolute sigh of relief and a breath of fresh air. And from the feedback I've been getting, it's it's not something that people see a lot of. <laughs> and uh, it's it was just a wonderful experience. He's so, yeah, it was just, I can't, and there was nothing bad about that experience whatsoever. He's a lovely guy. And the way, he, the way he comes across is exactly the way he is. He's so lovely. I noticed in uh, Portrait Artist of the Year that you quite like to get up close and personal. Well, not too close, obviously, because of social distancing, but you always like to sit nearer to the, to the subject, initially at least. I mean, is there a reason for that or are you just sort of trying to ingratiate yourself? <laughs> to be fair, it's a bit of both. <laughs> I'm, and also, I'm just really nosy and I like to chat. And it's it, it's just me. I think it's just me. If I'm doing a, a piece of work with, and it's a portrait, I need to, I don't know what it is, but I need to have, some kind of connection with the person I'm mm. drawing. I need to talk to them. I need to, I need to, I need to kind of, I need to, what's the word? I don't know. It's, I need to kind of embody what it is about them. It's the difference between having, I don't know, it's a difference between seeing a photograph of someone mm. or actually having them in the room and having a conversation where you pick up so much more about who they are, their body language, the way they tilt their head, the way they, they speak 
and the gaps in between words or what expressions they have when you ask them a certain question. It's, it's different. And that gives you clues as to how you want to represent them as a portrait. And what makes a good subject then? What kind of, out of all of those things you just described, coming together, what kind of... Mm. What makes a good portrait? What makes a good sitter? A good sitter. A good sitter. What makes, for me... Like, kind of, you know, I, I suppose, what makes a good sitter? And then, obviously, that makes a good portrait, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, hopefully, you've got more, a ch- more of a chance of getting a good portrait if you've got a good sitter and it it's I think it varies for for different artists I think every artist has their own way of of approaching a portrait if that's what they're doing but for me I I don't see what I do is an isolated insular thing I think that when I'm producing a portrait it is a a good portrait it's a true collaboration it's it's something that you need to make with the person that you're, in my case, drawing. You need to have a conversation. You need to have a conversation about who they are and they also might want to know things about you and why they're having this portrait done. What are they feeling? What are their fears? What makes them happy? All of these things feed in to this thing that you're both creating. And and I think an ideal sitter is someone who is open, who doesn't necessarily have a fixed idea of what the end result is going to be, but trusts me to produce something that is honest very cool just go to go back to you talked about teaching and then you know the gradual progression into becoming an artist and this happened over the last few years so I am thinking that coincides with you becoming 50 and I'm wondering if that had anything to do with it well yes and no me being 50 it's kind of a number isn't it it's kind of a I to be fair I found 30 way more traumatic than 50. I found 40. <laughs> I can 50, I felt like, oh, yeah, whatever. 40, I thought was hard. Exactly. In fact, 39, my 39th year, I found quite traumatic. Yeah, I found, I found that um, 40, emotionally, I found that I did go through a, a dip of, oh, Jesus, God, <laughs> I can't bear it. <laughs> 30, I was like, running around like a blue ass fly thinking, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing in my life. What's going on? Blah, 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 blah. That was an emotional air. Eh. And then 40 was the site I felt rubbish. And 50 was like, all right, okay. Anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> and just, you know, yeah, it was kind of like, I was being 50, I think, yes, it coincided with that. But I think being 50, I, I was a bit more pragmatic. I was thinking, right, okay look, this is half my life now, if, you know, I live to 100. And I thought, I see I don't want to be on my deathbed thinking, oh, well, I've got a good pension. That was great. 
I want to be able to say, I did this, the stuff that I wanted to do. I experienced the things I wanted to experience. I wanted to have things to talk about and learn stuff and have new experiences. And I thought, I just got to, I, I just thought, I can't waste time. Mm. Just get on with it. Do you think that's why quite a lot of people do it? I think it seems to me that in their 50s, quite a lot of people decide to change career and then, you know, go for, like, go for it like you do. Yeah, I think there's a run-up to it, I think. It's slowly, slowly catching monkey. I think people... It's difficult, isn't it? Because I've, I've, I don't know about you, but I've moved around a lot with my careers. I did... I, I've done a few things... And now I've reached this point, I realised that all the other stuff that I I had been doing was a precursor to this. It was me getting the courage yeah. together to be a, be who I wanted to be and do the things I wanted to do. And and I think a lot of the stuff I did beforehand. I was just trying on, it's kind of, I felt like I've been trying on other people's clothing <laughs> in a, obviously not in a weird way. Um, but, um, but as I got older, the things that I, I chose as professions were getting me closer and closer to that thing that, and that person and that place that I needed to be, you know, teaching being one of them. I think I, I really enjoy teaching. It's really hard work. It's probably the hardest job I've ever done. Um, it's hard work, but it taught me so much about who I wanted to be as a person. And it taught me a, a hell of a lot about people. So, yeah, I think, yeah, I think you just get to a stage where you just think, you, you just get to a stage where you start being honest yeah. with yourself. I think part of it is confidence, isn't it? Having the confidence to finally think, well, actually, I yeah. can do this. Yeah. Um, but the other thing for me is because, like, as I said, you know, I lectured for a long time, probably longer than I intended to initially, but part of that was down to money, like financially. Yeah sticking with a, a you know a salary yeah. a, a monthly salary rather than you know making that leap into you know I've been freelance before and it is quite precarious it is it's it's scary you know it is scary because when I decided that I was going to take my my work seriously with that came a big cut in mm. salary you know there are things that I couldn't do. You know, I've got a partner who um, is extremely supportive, but it meant that together there was stuff that we could not do because I was not bringing in the money. But, we, ha you know, it's about being honest and sitting down and saying, are you happy? Is this where you want to be? And weighing that up against, you know, not being able to buy certain things you want to not being able to go on certain holidays you want to and and to be fair you know I've 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 been you know like I say when we were growing up we didn't have anything we did well 
physically we didn't have anything but we had we had each other and we had a roof over our head and i had parents that loved me at the end of the day that what yeah what exactly more do you but, but you know what more do you need and i think yeah exactly and also yes it's it's scary but there's also excitement and fun in that fear and letting go of that fear is exhilarating because it it makes it makes you feel like you can do absolutely anything and again being a teacher you you want to instill that into the children it's like do you know what think about that thing you really love doing and keep doing it just keep doing it and people are going to try and put you off and people are going to say you can't but don't listen to them (laughs) (laughs) quite frankly I I quite like what you were saying there about um teaching and you wanting to instill that feeling into the children you've spoken just to come back to sort of diversity again you've spoken a a bit about diversity in the art world and not not seeing yourself represented when you were growing up do you think that's why partly why you maybe you went into teaching I think so I think so partly but my experience of being a being in primary school I then later found out was very different to other people's experiences of being primary school. When I was at primary school, we had, there was a plethora of male teachers. We had loads. But then I'm now realizing that that was, I was just in a, in a, a weird parallel male teacher primary school universe um, universe yeah <laughs> we didn't, i don't think we had we didn't have any male teachers but my my growing up in in the world of education was was it it had men and and not only did it have men but it had people who were were so encouraging of of me as an individual and i think when i hear of other people's um stories of 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 uh, being especially black in the 70s again i just think i was extremely fortunate to be to have these people look at me and not only see past the color of my skin but see that i had some kind of innate talent and 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 encourage that went out of their way to encourage that and you just think, oh, my God, this is amazing. But, yeah, I think it's important. I think it's important for children to see in their school what's represented in their community. I really do think that. Because where do you fit? Where where do you get that sense of self from? If And you've got these people around you trying to create really in schools a, a, a utopia like you know outside school you know things happen and the world may not be fair but in schools I think what we're trying to create is is an ideal it's like this is how we should treat people this is how tr- people should treat you um, this is how we need to be to be an amazing citizen and help each other and and be there for each other and ask for help uh and 
I think if you're doing that with children, you they need to see themselves reflected not only in their immediate um, uh, school community, but in the wider community as well. And say, you know, be able to just think, well, actually, if I, when I grow up, I can be, I can be whatever I want. I can be a doctor. I can be a lawyer. I can be an artist. I can be, you know, I can be a stay-at-home um, parent. I can, I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want. I was thinking about kind of the art world mm-hmm. in particular, and if I was reading about, I mean, do you know Charles? I hadn't really heard of him. Charles Gaines, an American artist. He's got. Um, he's yeah. in his seventies now, and he was born in New Jersey. And he's got his first exhibition in London. Well, it's it's online at the minute, but hopefully we'll be able to go online. and see it at some point this year. Um, but he kind mm. of grew up. He was born in the fifties, and then he was, I think, at art mm-hmm. school in the seventies. And he was saying, mm. people, you know, how things had changed, you know, and how. People couldn't understand that his work, and they thought he was making white art. I don't know much about him. I've seen his yeah. work, but I don't know. I don't know much. Of, I don't know much about him, and and that is, and that's one thing. Winning this competition is allowing me to do. It's allowing me to enter all spheres mm. of of art and explore it. I'm learning things for the first time because. I think before the competition, I didn't really feel like I was able to participate. I didn't see a way in. As an as an artist. Yeah, I didn't see. I don't see a way in. I'm not, I'm not going to be part of the art world because it's not really for me. I'm you know, there's nothing that has ever told me that it yeah. is for me. But I tell you what, kind of also spurred me on was Instagram I'm telling you that I that has got a huge that's had a huge impact on how I see myself were you sharing your drawings on online and getting a good response yeah it was my nephew who told me to go on Instagram oh was your nephew was your nephew in the program he was in your back garden yeah (laughs) yeah 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 he was yeah, we were actually at a friend's house, and he was, um, yeah, he said, oh, yeah, Uncle, you should go on Instagram. It's all about pictures. There was imagery, and I used to, um, and so I did. I started off by putting putting my um, sewing projects up there. I wanted to um, ask you about that, because I can with. remember coming to something with our mutual friend, Nula, in Crystal uh-huh. Palace, and I thought it was, your work was slightly oh. different then. It involved sewing. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was drawing with the yeah. sewing machine. It was again, like I said, you know, the journey I've 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 had to get to here was about realizing what I really want to do. And at school, I'm I'm I was the um, DT coordinator, so we did um, making, sewing, cooking, and and just anything that wasn't actually drawing and painting, which is weird. I know. So I started I started putting my um, my sewing projects up there, and then which was great and I loved doing that and then I became friends with Pat she lives around the corner actually and who's a textile she actually she was she's big in the saddle she designed in the 80s she was 
she was one one of the designers who did the textiles for um the london underground oh. yeah um she's next um uh, royal college lady talking of the royal college that sort of just reminded me of another artist did, you know frank bowling did you go to his exhibition at the tate a few years ago no, oh, I didn't, that actually. was amazing, and that was another artist. And he was at the Royal College. He was at the Royal College when David Hockney mm-hmm. was there. And he oh. also is, I mean, his work is beautiful. And it was that was one of those instances when it's like, why different? We never heard of this, Matt, you know. And he was at the Royal College yeah. when Hockney and Patrick Caulfield, I think, and people like that. Um, you know, yeah. he's not that widely known. He did go, he was living in New York for a while, but it's sort of, you do kind of wonder, you know. It's really affirming that so many black artists who are, you know, older yeah, than me. Yeah, he's like 85 is, or know. he was 85. I know. Of, who was that? Yeah, because I know of, again, I know of him and I know of his work, but I don't know, I don't really know about him. I don't know his his history and what, and what he's about, but I do find his work really exciting. But it's just weird. It's that all these people who shared these histories with these prominent artists and you think well why have we never Mm. heard of them but they are now you know people are actually interested do you think it's changing it is changing isn't it it's like definitely i think i think there are definitely conversations that are being had that weren't being had 10 years ago and that's a good mm. thing. I was thinking also about the writer, you know, Bernadine Evaristo, who won the Booker Prize. Yeah. And she's so brilliant. Who I drew. Yeah, I've got, oh, God, yeah, you drew she, her. I forgot about that. Oh, yeah. My God. I, I drew oh, that lady. She's, I, I think drew she's her. fantastic because also she has always talked about inclusion and the lack of diversity, yeah. particularly, you know, and, yeah. you know, it is in, oh, it, you know, it's the literary world. Again, yeah. it's another, yeah. you know, it's very white. And she, she's sort of, now she's kind of republishing the books of black British writers. And also I think mm-hmm. she's founded a couple of organisations to publish, uh, to sort of help nurture young poets. Yeah, I think I, and I understand that need to want to do what, do for young people what you felt wasn't being done for you in a way just thinking I don't want those I don't want the generation generations before me to have that struggle that I had I think I think you know there's going to be struggle whoever you are but just wanting to bring it up to a level playing field is what what is needed you know I, mean, I think because you know for a start there are going to be um young people out there and children out there who who are not back at the first even glimmers of 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 something new and different because they just feel it's not for them because they don't whether whether it be right or wrong, if you do not see yourself represented in an area or field that you, at your gut, feel you want to be a part of, without anyone saying anything, a part of you, whether it be right or wrong, thinks they don't want people like mm. me doing that. Because if they did, there'd be more people like me doing that. And 
I think just, you know, even being a teacher, just being there, just, just, just being there and being present is, is huge for some children. It's just, just, just being a part of it, even, and I've, 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 I've found it since winning the competition, the, the, the messages that I've got have been overwhelming. They have been overwhelming and overwhelmingly positive. And so, so, so many people saying that it's been refreshing and inspiring to see something and someone who is other you know black and gay and going on in years <laughs> <laughs> apparently yeah apparently i'm the um, i'm the oldest winner are you you were quite young oh my god well anyway i think it's fantastic i think it's so impressive and i think you have done brilliantly well to Oh, Change career, much, win the competition. How on earth is that so all bad, happen? It's brilliant. <laughs> so, so it is. It's fantastic. Have you got an, an exhibition? I saw. So you got a pastel society exhibition coming up? Yes. Look, I made I made lists of what I wanted to achieve, and when I did make those lists, they were a that was a fantasy. I was fantasizing. I'm not joking. I was going, right, I want to do this and I want to do that. And whilst I was writing that list, I was laughing to myself and side-eyeing myself going. Aim going, high, aim high. Okay, yeah, like, all right, Curtis. <laughs> and I thought, well, do you know what? This is my list. No one's going to see it. <laughs> and, um, but you did it. And I just did it. I, I know, but you've got to make that list and you've got to just, you, you've got to not be scared. Because you know what? Who wants to go to their <laughs> who wants to go to their grave scared? I don't. Mm. I want to be able to say, do you know what? I did everything I I wanted to do. I tried my best. I did it. I did my best, and I I I confronted my fear. I tried my best to stop being afraid, and I tell you now, it will be the best ah. thing you do. It'll be the best thing you do. You best thing you make a list and don't show it to anyone. I'm now going to ask you some of my grown up guide questions. These are the questions I ask all my guests. I'm exhausted. How tired are you? Not as tired as when you were working at school (laughs) and doing the mural and doing the TV program. Oh, God. I'm so tired. But it's a good tired. It's a good tired because there's a lots to do now. I'm really knackered, but it's kind of the tired that's energetic in a way. And the thing is, I find that I've got more energy to do stuff that I'm passionate about. Because I remember in other jobs when I was younger, I was like, oh, God, this is really knackering. And I was mostly knackered because I didn't really want to do it. But now I'm doing something I really want to do. I'm a bit knackered, but it's good mm. knackered. We are getting older, but I don't think that's a I don't think that is a downside because uh, with that comes a lot of truth. 
yeah i look granted i make strange noises when i get out of bed now (laughs) 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 yeah it's like and that noise when you make when you when you when you lean over and 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 you actually in your back in your back goes yeah (laughs) and you go oh it's like, oh, that's a strange noise. I didn't know, I'm sure I didn't make that when I was like 25. But the thing is, you know it's coming and you know it and you feel it and you work with it. Whereas when you're young, you just don't, you know, it's like you don't, you take everything for granted. Well, some things you do take for granted, but, you know, your physicality you mm. take for granted. But that's, but that's about, you know, now we can do something about it. You know, I'm way fitter than I was when I was like 25. I'm doing yoga, I'm doing Pilates, I'm walking, I'm doing, um, I cycle everywhere. Cycle. I think, I think I'm way fitter than I was when I was younger. What are you reading right now? Oh, well, the thing is, I've got a few on the go because when I'm drawing, depending on what I'm drawing and what mood I'm in. It could be, it could be a number of things. The weird thing is, I am actually listening, straight reading. The Talented Mr. Ah. Ripley. Just finished that. I've never done any Highsmith before. And I've seen the film, but I read that. And I'm just on the second one. And the second one's talking about an artist, the life of an artist. It's obviously, it's but all are you kind of, can you Are you relating to that now? I, do you know what? I am in many ways. It's a little, obviously not the murder part. Because <laughs> <laughs> that would be a little bit wrong and slightly illegal. What are you watching on telly? I can't even, I'm just embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you. Look. <laughs> Great pottery throwdown. I love it. Of course I am. Of course I'm watching. I'm not embarrassed about no. that. That's brilliant. That's the highlight of my Sunday. Loving that. Great pottery throwdown. Followed by the great. Oh, that is so, so wrong and so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you yes. it? Well, pot- it follows the pottery throwdown. You know when you're watching something and you're thinking, no, they haven't just said that, and your mouth is open and you're going, that I really, hasn't just I really happened. like her though. I think Catherine the she's Great brilliant. is brilliant. Yeah, she's absolutely it? brilliant. So I'm watching, I am watching both of those. Um, I, I saw this film last night. Um, it wasn't my choice, but it was the most bizarre, crazy thing I've ever watched on TV. Well, not one, but it was bizarre it's called it's called midsummer and as, as in met m-i-d yeah. and then s-o-m-m-e-r it's about these um these young people who go these americans who go and stay in in this um swedish commune and the things that happen it's a little bit wicker oh. man it's sort of that's kind of vaguely ringing a bell i think i've read about oh. that Oh, it's it's quite disturbing. Oh, maybe I won't bother. I can't really. <laughs> I can't of, really handle things that are too disturbing yeah, right I now. I wouldn't okay. watch it on we your won't own watch that. and watch it and watch it and watch it. And if you were going to watch it, do it with people you can have a laugh with. And well, uh, it's only it's like I me and Michelle. That's not my age. That's <laughs> oh. Okay, best not then. Well, we were we were watching it because we have a we have a um, we have a, a ritual. So Wednesday, we've got 
Um, we've got our mate Pete, who's in our bu- uh, bubble. Oh. We he's our boy in a bubble. Boy in a yeah. bubble. He's our boy in a bubble. Yeah, because last lockdown he nearly went like bonkers. Oh. Bless him. Um, and and so he's part of our bubble. So on Wednesdays we go around there watch landscape. Oh, landscape yeah, artist of the year of that last night. Yeah, very interesting. And then we watch a film, and he nominated this crazy film. Mids, it's like, oh god, really? That's not right. Do you take it in turns? Yeah. Well, we used to have a filter street film night, but that all got knocked on the head because we started doing it over Zoom. It's like, no, it's not the no. same. But we we've been doing that for years um, in the close. Oh. But anyway, so back to that. So been watching that. I can't, there's one thing we are watching that I cannot tell you about because it's just so wrong. Should I? No. It's, this was recommended by, (laughs) right, it was (laughs) recommended, it's recommended. Stop being coy, just tell us. um, Not home is where the heart is, but it's like this really cheesy American, it's a bit like Little House on the Prairie. I used to love that when I was a kid. Yeah, it is quite disturbing. But do you know what? It was recommended by um, Steve's mum. She said, oh, it's a bit cheesy, but it's it's all right. But it, 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 do you know how it's quite refreshing to watch something where you know no one's going to get murdered? <laughs> <laughs> Everything's going to be all right in the end. Yeah. It's what we need right now. Talk me through your outfit. What are you wearing today? You're a, you're a stylish man. I've got on a really lovely, it's like, it's like a really oversized YMC chunky knit jumper that if I was in the 80s, I could actually wear as a dress if I had a belt around the middle. But I'm not going to wear it as a dress. How are you wearing even it Even if I could. Is it stripy? It is, no, it is. It is plain, but it has got a very nice chunk, chunky knit. And it has also... Double cuff, double thickness cuff around the cuffs and the bottom. So it look it sounds kind of weird, but it just the proportions are brilliant. Oh. I love it. It's in a, a really nice burnt orange. I've got a YMC fleece that's like a leopard print in a burnt orangey colour. Oh, I loved it. And on my legs, I am wearing I'm wearing a pair of skinny jeans that I made myself. Thank you. Jeans must be quite hard to make. Are jeans hard? Jeans are hard to make. Have you got an industrial sewing machine? No, you don't need an industrial sewing machine to just make jeans. Just a specific needle. Yeah. You just get a jean needle and a hard-wearing needle. You can make anything. I think most things you can now make at home. I've got, you know, I've got coats that I've made. I've got, you know, I've got a pair of trainers that I made. Really? Yeah. Do they, do they work? <laughs> Of course they work. They've, I've made them so they're very waterproof. Oh, I'm so impressed. Oh, thank you very what, much. So what are your favourite feel-good clothes then? What do you feel good in? Do you know what? I feel good in lots of different things. And I'll tell you for why. When I've got the outfit for the right outfit for the right occasion, that outfit will be my favorite outfit they that will be my feel-good outfit you know you just How know. Do you know when it's right you know when it's right when you're not thinking about it and you just you know there are times where you go out and you think oh god 
I look like an absolute nana in this, or, oh, I needed to have dressed up for this, or this doesn't feel comfortable. I'm thinking about it all the time. That's Mm. when you haven't got the right outfit on. And sometimes you might look great, but if you're preoccupied with thinking about it for whatever reason, it's not the right outfit. Even if it's your your favourite thing in the world. If it's if you're wearing that favorite thing at the wrong place and at the wrong time, it's not going to be your favorite thing. And I think it's about matching your emotion to the situation and the outfit. Ooh. It's about you know a bit like doing a portrait. You got the right mentality, the right sitter, and the right chemistry. Everything works in in like synergy. Then it's all right. It's all good. Same Ooh. with an outfit. You know there are things there's not one thing that I wear that I think oh that always makes me feels better it there isn't I think it's about the situation interesting would you say do you have a style signifier is there something that people would say that's very Curtis let me have a little think is do I have a signifier and it's that no, there, there actually, there actually isn't. I think I might have one for myself. I'm always in a pair of Converse, but, but I think, but what people have said about me is, I always look different. They go, God, you always look different wherever we go, wherever we go, and they think that I've got lots of clothes. No, no, I everything I buy. I think, right, in my head, I've got my wardrobe and it's filing through and I'm thinking, right, this needs to work with at least 25 things in my wardrobe. <laughs> that's really cool, though, because I think that's how I think more people are. Yeah, you just got to do that. But, you know, turning to that kind of, you know, does it go with everything? Do I need it? Am I going to wear it? You know, being more sustainable. And also clothes are very strange, aren't they? Because I don't know about you, but like drawings, they all have a story. They all have a story. Each item has a story. I think that's because I don't buy that much. And the things that I buy Mm. are are now, because I make so many of my clothes, they're key pieces that are important to me for, or things that I know that I could not make. I I have this leather jacket that I bought when I got my first design job and I was getting silly money and I was out shopping with my mate and um, she said, oh, you've got to celebrate. You've got this really great job. And I'm like, going, oh, what? oh, yeah, I know. I'll buy some pants. She's going, you're having a laugh, aren't you? I was going, well, you know, <laughs> <laughs> she's going, you need to, you need to just, you know, step it up. She went, look at this leather jacket. It looks great. And I was like, going, that leather jacket is 200 pounds. I'm not spending 200 pounds on the jacket. And it's that whole mentality of, she said, mate, you need to understand that you've got a wage now and what they pay you this month, they're going to pay you next month until they sack you. <laughs> so, so buy that because it's important. Yeah, so and and so I've have got, you still got the leather? Have you oh, still got the leather mate, jacket? That le- that that jacket's going to outlive me. 
What is it, like a biker jacket? Or... It is. It's kind of like a, it is a French connection leather jacket, pseudo biker style. Again, that sounds like, mm. you know, I'm like a Sandy off Greece, but, but nice. And um, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got the leggings to go with it, to be fair. Um, and the high heels, although that would look good. But it's, it's one of those, <laughs> those, those things that I've repaired that the lining goes uh, or has gone. But because I can sew, I've um, repaired the lining. And I love that. I love that, that whoever gets that jacket when I'm long gone, there's, there's a part of me in that because not only is it aged with me because it's leather, but they would have seen that that lining has been repaired by me and in some places replaced by me. And there's a story that goes along with that. Aww. And I think clothing in that way is, is, is important. And it's kind of how so many people express themselves artistically. It is. Final question. What's the single most important piece of advice you've ever been given? The single most piece of advice is it advice in this month it kind of isn't advice and it's my mum has got a lot well she had a lot of sayings most of which went over my head um but they filtered through over the years I don't know whether this could be called advice when I used to um feel intimidated by a situation or somebody my mother used to come out with (laughs) I don't know what I'm look, I'm gonna say it. She used to come out with this this saying. She said, Look, don't you worry, don't you worry, because mate, I'm telling you, you know, his shit stinks like everybody else's. <laughs> 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 You're gonna to have to obviously put a West Indian accent on top of that and um <laughs> and have a black woman wagging and pointing a finger at you whilst you're <laughs> while you're saying Oh, oh, I couldn't do that. It's like, look, look, there shit stinks oh. like everybody else, which is kind of advice. It's kind of saying, don't worry about anybody else. You just get on with it yeah. because they're, they're just as human as you. Mm. There's, nothing, there's nothing special about them that isn't special about you. And the other piece of advice is um, do not, this is from um, a Scottish um, ex that was given to, this piece of advice was given to him by his aunt Betty. And it was, don't worry, worry, to worry worries you. Both very good pieces of advice, I think. Oh, thank you, Curtis. You know what? It's been an absolute pleasure. Oh, thank you. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed the interview. Please come back soon. And it'd be absolutely brilliant if you could review the podcast on iTunes and also on that'snotmyage.com. I know that sounds like a lot, but I would appreciate it very much. And don't forget, it's not about age, it's about style.